Fine. So yeah. So I actually the same thing. I um, a couple years ago we like decided to be responsible, and we went to a lawyer and we like set up our living wills and it's a whole different conversation. Power of attorney, all that stuff. Right. Um, and our will, which is not that robust at this point, <laughs> but it's my it's, one day. One day, Hashem, <laughs> it'll be valuable. Um, and uh, and before I went, so uh, you know, I like did a little research to find out like what's the story. Um, so that's a good question. What is the story? Does a person need a halachic will? What is halachic will? Is that totally different from a secular will? Does it look totally different? Or, um, but the question, the first question is going to be like, what's what's the halacha say about inheritance in general, right? So we know some things about it, but uh, so I don't want to spend a lot of time on that part. But let's start, we just got to get some of it. What's interesting is that last week's part about Yaakov being sick. And the Gemara actually says that until Yaakov got sick, this is the first time that somebody um, got sick before they died. It used to just be that you would like sneeze or whatever, and right. then you would die. Mama sneeze, and that's the that's actually the the source of the idea of like staying as a night. Oh really? Because they didn't believe that person would sneeze, and your shaman would leave your leave your nose through your nose, and then you would die. So if someone would die, was, sorry, someone would sneeze, so it was like a big deal. So, um, so, um, so Yaakov didn't get sick. And the Gemara says he actually died in Talakar Shparuch, that he should get sick before he dies. Or he should die before he dies. The Gemara says, because that way you have a chance to know, your, if you know this is going to happen, so you have a chance to get things in order, talk to your family, etc., so that you are, uh, there, so they're ready, so they're ready. So uh, all these, these ideas... Of, uh, that's not just a halachic well, that's also well, you know, uh, right. you know, you know, people give, you know, uh, they write, you know, asava uh, to the family, you know, some type of message or whatever they want the, the children to have. But uh, in terms of the halachic well, so where does, it, where does it come from? The truth is, you don't need a halachic well uh, per se. It's not really necessary because you can just do it as just if the person just dies, so there's, there's rules. The, the shulchan aruch tells you plenty about what happens in terms of how the inheritance goes. Just not being be so happy with it, All right? So let's take a look in terms number one. Is there, is there a halachic um, concept of saying things on your deathbed? Is that just American? Yeah, of telling, telling. Like, what do you mean saying things? Like, that is, if you say something, you know, I, I want this to happen, or I want this oh, to happen. so you know, so let's talk at the end. We should talk at the end about that question because I've had a number of scenarios actually um, where things people have said orally. Um, actually makes things complicated. Oh, really? Right? Or right, when deathbed, I mean, just orally. Or when then. they're sick, um, and they make statements that will contradict their will. And then people, you know, it starts all kinds of right. problems. Um, unfortunately, this is a very, very contentious issue. Even in families that are harmonious, uh, the issue of the will can be a very, um, a very contentious thing. Um, and certainly when people start making statements to their children or to one child with no one else there, and then they op- they finally see the will afterwards, and well, that's, not what, that's not what dad said to me, dad told me that he thought, right, and he promised me this, and she promised me that. So that actually, or Jackter in an article he writes on this topic, actually, you know, tr- uh, argues that people should be careful not to make statements about it to their children. Oh, that's an interesting comment. I think I could hear both ways, but like not to really tell your kids uh, you know what you prefer and things like that. If there are things that you've written down already that are specific, um, but we'll get there. We'll get there. So 
So that, how does it work? How does it work? So look at source number one. Source number one, Pasuk and Parshas Pinchas. Now, Bnei Yisrael to the Bnei more each. This actually it all starts with the the Bnei Slavchad. Bnei Slavchad, you know, uh, you get you know are upset. They're not gonna get land because they're because they're the daughters, not the sons. So that's where we actually find this. Well, how did it actually work? So the Bnei Yisrael to the Bnei more each ki amusu bein ain lo. Person dies and he does not have a son. Vavratim es nachla sol debito. Then his nachla goes to his daughter. Meaning the implication is not implication. It's preferred. Now what? If he has a son, it goes to his sons. Yeah. Right. Uh, first one's already a different story. Right. But at least that, that, that everything that the father has goes to his sons. What about his wife? Mm. No, to his sons, right? doesn't say if he's been in low and his wife has already passed away. Right. Right? It says it goes to his sons. And if not, it goes to his daughter. He doesn't have any, any daughter, so it's, you go down, right? There's the father, you go down to the son, there's no son, you go to the daughter, there's no daughter. Go back up, right. right to his brother. So if you don't, it doesn't go to the, to the to the brother. Then it goes back to the brother of his father. Okay, it's actually. Well, let's just keep going here. Even if, if the, he has no uncles, then it goes to his next closest relative. The Gemara of Basra actually gives very specific. Um, um, well, let's keep reading for one are second. Are we assuming his parents are dead here? No, we're not assuming his parents are dead. Are we? Even if he is. Right, so we'll, so we'll actually see in Shulchan Aruch that it's actually not quite that simple. So, Ask yeah. Are yeah, we talking specifically about all inheritances or just land in Israel? We are talking about all. That's a good question. We're talking about all, all inheritances. All inheritances. Mm-hmm. All, fi- all monetary things anything that be- Anything of value that belongs to the Father. Yes, it's a good question. Because you're right, because the conversation in the Torah is just about. Inheritance, just your nachla in Israel. It's a very good point. Um, okay, look at Shulchan Aruch, chapter number two. This, uh, the 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 parak in Barabbas, I think it's the last parak in Barabbas, it's called Yeshin Ochelim, um, is all about this topic. That's all it talks about. Is this this issue of nachla? How it works? My last year in the kollel in NYU, is she was learning Barabbas in the morning, and the kollel we learned Yeshin Ochelim. It's actually interesting. It's actually it's actually interesting. Um, so, and it actually is very practical. So look at Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch has to do this. We don't have to read the entire thing, but he g- gives you an explain- explanation where it goes. Seder nachlos kach. This is how it goes. Misha meis, someone dies, beno yosho, his son inherits him. No nim salo, ben, rom imishla ben zera. Doesn't have a son. Well, maybe the son has a son. Right? And who, but the, meaning, could be that the, Son predeceases the father, but there's a grandson still there. So whenever you go to one person who's supposed to get you before, if that person's not there, you don't quit, you don't right away leave them. You first check to see if that person has children, because right? because if it really belongs to them, then it goes to their kids. Bain zacher bain nekeva ad sof kol dosh. You try to see a grandchild, a great grandchild, etc. Omed bimkom over yorish hakov lo nimsezer. So fine, lo nimsezer leben. Let's say he doesn't have the son. There's no son. And the son doesn't have any children. So then it goes to the daughter. So we could go to the grandson before we go to the daughter. Okay? Doesn't have a daughter. Same thing. So now the daughter, try with the daughter, she doesn't have, so she, she's not alive, or does she have children? All the way down. So where does it go? He has no sons, he has no daughters, he goes back to his father. Okay? Assuming the father is still alive, right? 
Im ein aviv kayam, tachzor lizaro, shehu achiyaves. So then, if, it doesn't, if the father is not alive, what happens? Does the father have any children? Meaning, the brother of the person who died. Right? Im yesh lo ach, so he has a brother, yorish akol, he takes everything. Lo nim salo ach, he has no brother. Im in yech zera ad sov kol adoros, omimim komol yorish. Same thing. Does the, does the ach have any children? Are there any nephews or nieces? Right? Then it goes back to his sister, right? Again, you tried the brother, now you try the sister. Like, same thing all the way down. Etc. 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 The funny comes back to the uncles, whatever. But the bottom line is, this is how it works. You always go to the first male son, not there, then all their children down, and then same thing. You move over, and you keeps hopping back and forth. That's how it works. Okay. No wife. No wife. And, we, and the daughter only comes after, after everybody right. else. Correct, 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 correct. So, how far down is everyone else? Just all the grandkids and all the brothers and uncles and all that? They all go first, dude. They all go f- first before the meaning. Well, it depends. Any the son's children. So just imagine for a second. Yeah. You imagine a person dies. Okay, an individual passes away, and this is the halacha. Okay, let's say there's no mother for right now, just for mother well, also died. So, Imagine what that looks like. So you have four daughters and one son. And what happened? And, there's, and the Yerusha is, I don't know, $300,000. So according to Halacha, what happens? So Better. Yeah. You have one son who died, who has right, one son. Right. So what would happen? This grandson gets $300,000. The six sisters, six daughters, get zero. Zero. Okay. Why the halacha is that way? I'm not. I'm not gonna. That's not for our conversation tonight. That's a good question. But that's how it is. So the bottom line, just just think about the repercussions, right? Of of letting things just fall. No, right. don't set anything up. Let things just fall halachically, which people have done, you know. Uh, but that's what's gonna happen. And this is, is without assumption that in each of these cases, if there's multiple people that fit in that, they all split it evenly. Like if it's multiple sons, they split multiple it sons they split it evenly, with the exception of, the, the exception of. Look at source number, well, well, let's skip for a second to source number four. It's the man has two, right? This is the man who has the wife he loves, the wife he hates, his two kids, right? Starts off because he had a, he went to Asian Sifat Torah first, or he got some woman in battle. So, um, so if he has two sons, the son who is the Bechor gets double. How does he get double? What does that mean? Practically, you have two children. What do you do? You take the Arusha, you split it into three. And right. two-thirds go to the first son, and one-third goes to the other son. Also, not so good for Shalom Bayes. Right? Um, there's a lot of actually interesting halachos, though, not for right now, but how that works. The same halachos that apply, or some of the same halachos at least, that apply to the question of a pit and a ben, apply to the question of Bechor. So if the Bechor is born cesarean section, Halacha of Pishnaim does not does not does not apply. Okay, it's interesting like things like that that are very you could you could spend we could give a whole year on this topic. Okay, but that's just a little sna- snapshot and go back to search number three for a second. What about the daughters? So the daughters really they get nothing zero. So the Shulchan Aruch writes Mitnayek Suba Shetiyena Habanos Nizonos Minichse Aviim Acharmoso. So one of the rules. Of Sherek uh, Susvaona, when you get married, you're responsible to take care of your wife, um, physical, all of her physical needs, that includes the physical needs of your children. 
So it means that physical needs to be taught her also, right? While you're alive. So same thing when you die. So if a person passes away, even though the sons get the Yerusha, they are expected to make sure that the daughters have what to support themselves. And when they get married, you, uh, they, they do a cheshbon how much... Again, this, is, if you're, this, is, this, is, this doesn't practically happen most of the time, right? But this is how the lacha would work, is that when they would get married, you'd have to cheshbon what, what would the father usually give as a dowry, right? For, for, that, for that girl, and then you give whatever that amount would be, you give uh, to her then also. So take care of the mother? Thank you. Right. So the mother also, yes, the mother also has to get taken care of. The mother also has to get taken care of. Um, the halacha actually is men inherits his wife's estate. She doesn't inherit his. But yes, the halacha is also about the fact that the mother has to be taken care of also. There's an expectation that the, that the mother is taken care of also by the children. That's also simple. By the way, that's, that's required anyways. I'll keep it up in. Right? That, that, that there's a requirement the children to make sure the mother is taken care of. Does the um, have to pay two-thirds... In other words, a double portion towards that. Towards that, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But there definitely is a requirement that the children take care of the mother from the from the father's nechasim. But it is not. Again, that's that's not fully rusha. Right? It doesn't mean all the money goes there, right? Necessarily. So, um, does so she fall, does she just if the mother when the when the husband dies? So there's a possibility. Does, does the she'ira cover of your love. This says in the pasuk. So the Gemara there has a whole discussion. Does that mean the mother? Does that mean the wife? Etc. So in certain scenarios, there could be that the wife, the wife does fall in in line. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm not. I'm not entirely. <laughs> um, but yeah. But the good news is, you'll see there are ways to to handle this. Fine. So, so what about what about? Can I just can I just say? Can I just make it a, a tonight? I'll say. When I die, I want the Yerusha not like the Halacha says, I want it to be how I want. Can you do that? So look at verse number 5. The, the mission in, in Baba Basha says, Ha'omer ish ploni yirasheni, b'malkom sheyesh bas, b'titi rasheni, b'malkom sheyesh ben, lo amra klum. If you say, right, I want uh, this guy to get Yerusha when I have, uh, you know, in someone else's place, you know, I want my daughter to get Yerusha, and I have a son there, etc., doesn't do anything. Why? Shehisnam ashikasa b'Torah. What does it mean? Hisnam ashikasa b'Torah. When a person makes a tanai on something that make a condition that should contradict the halacha, right? So you want to say, I'm going to uh, donate uh, to charity. Uh, okay, which you can't do, right? You can't give all your money to charity. But do, doing something, making a condition that is against what the Torah stipulates. So doing that. Is meaningless because the Torah already told you how to do it. So you go ahead and say, "I'd like to do it differently." It doesn't matter. You like to do it differently. Your hishna Torah means that when, when you make a stipulation on something that you don't have the right to make a stipulation on, so it's not valid. It doesn't go anywhere. So it's meaningless. Okay. We're not allowed to make a will. <laughs> uh, so, so, so yeah. So it sounds like, uh, and what's what's complicated and what the Yishonim are bothered by is that it's not. We don't always say that. So for example, there are times when a person can make a financial agreement with somebody else even though it goes against what the halacha is for example uh, the halacha is you're supposed to pay your workers daily at the end of the day your workers should be paid so what if you run a company and you're not interested in paying your workers every single day and you make a contract with them that says look I know I'm supposed to pay you every single day but instead you're going to get paid uh, twice a month right the 14th and the the, the 15th and the 30th every month you'll get paid and they sign that agreement that's fine why? because you both agreed you both agree to that condition. The condition is the dinimum, so you can make conditions. Let's say uh, the halacha is generally that 
a husband is required share to support his wife, and therefore, and because of that, when she goes to work, her money is, is, goes, to, goes to the husband. A woman can say, and this is still true, I don't think people really do this, but a woman can say, I'll, uh, any nizonis, any, any, uh, any, whatever it is in Hebrew, any nizonis, any, or something like that. And basically, I'll say, I'm fine. I make enough money. I don't need your, your support. I'll keep my money, and you don't have to support me. Right? A, woman, a woman can say that. Right? So, so um, and they can make that, that decision together, even though the halacha is a husband's required to take care of his wife. Right? So there are times when a, when a man or when a person can, in a certain sense, he's the master of the Torah. So why is it in this case it's not allowed? So look at the Rambam, source number six, and Sefer Chinuch, source number seven. And so the Rambam writes, You're not allowed to give Yerusha to someone that is not qualified to get Yerusha from you. And not to take the inheritance away from the inheritor. Even though it's his money, or even though it is money. Because this halacha is a chukas mitzvah, it is a, it is a, you know, uh, inscribed halacha. It's a, it's a very, very solid halacha. Lomar shechukazo lo tishtane vein atnai moaba. What the reason to say the chukah? We say this is a chukas mitzvah. That's a halacha. Every halacha is a halacha. I mean, it's a halacha. I know it's a halacha. So the extra language comes to teach me that it can never change, and no condition will change it. Vein shetziva. Vihubari, Bain Shahir Shimera, whether he's totally healthy or he's on his deathbed, Bain Alpet, Bain Miksav, Ainamo. Whether he writes it, whether he says it, doesn't matter. Say whatever you like, it doesn't make a difference. You can say before you die, I just want to say to everybody, I want all the money going to Johnny, and I, you know, uh, Jake, sorry bud, but you're a jerk. I'm giving it all to Johnny, he's getting all my money. That doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't matter. The fact that you said so, doesn't matter. The fact sounds like, according to the Rambam, even if you write it down, it doesn't matter. Right? Can't change it. So no, this I, sounds very, very yeah. not, not uh, going to work out very well for us so far, right? Yeah? Hypothetically, because I have two little kids upstairs. If, I have, <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 if I'm, if I'm uh, Yitzchak and I've got these two sons and right. the firstborn is, right. is say if Aesop actually was a real... Real Russia. Horrible, real Russia, and he didn't take care of his parents and didn't do anything. Right, right. And he totally can you disinherit him? He, so it's yeah. like this is actually a discussion. There's a whole another conversation okay. about a scenario where a person would say, like, my child doesn't deserve it. I want to take it totally away from them. It's a big, big discussion, which you can understand already, based on what we see here. So I, I don't want to. I, I would, I would better say rather than saying I want to talk about. It, I'm not prepared to really get into that 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 conversation. But there is a conversation. There's a whole another another concept. Known as disinheritance, and when does that apply? How so can you do it? Yeah, there's such a thing. So, but the shot is that can you really do that? How does it work? You know. So, again, I let's hope we're not gonna get there. So, <laughs> in terms of the financial transaction, I choose I want to give away stuff before I. Ah. How far in advance of my death? So, let, well, so, let, so let, let's go with that for just for one second. We're gonna we're, we're gonna talk about it as we move along. But can I give a gift while I'm alive? Of course. Yeah. Of course you can. Yeah. You can gift your money to anybody you want when you're alive. Right? You can end up, lots of people do this when they want to, uh, unfortunately in certain scenarios, people even do that towards the end of life, they want to get a Medicaid. Right? And they have to, they have to get rid of their assets early. Um, inheritance taxes and all that. So, inheritance taxes, but some of gift taxes. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so, so it doesn't always work, it doesn't always help you to gift the money away ahead of them. That, by the way, that is one solution 
Right? One solution, you just, give the, you just gift the money away, you know, towards the end of a person's life. They're not even making that much more money. They know they're old, they're, they're terminally ill, let's say. And in theory, they can gift the money away. There's a lot of tax issues, if it's, especially if it's a significant amount of money. Uh, gifting, gifting over X amount um, has a lot of uh, tax implications. But, uh, but that's certainly, that will certainly work. That will certainly work. Um, that's not a question that works. Um, the problem is that it doesn't work practically, always. Um, and it's also not a way to set it up ahead of time, because unfortunately, we don't always know. But according to this, gonna... you can't do that type of gift on your deathbed, so then how far does that stretch back? No, this doesn't mean say you can't give the gift on your deathbed. This says that you, if you make a stipulation before you die, it has no power once you die. Once, once the person's okay. passed away, then the fact that you made that stipulation doesn't oh, matter. So long as you're still alive and you actually make the transfer. Then the okay. trans- transaction happened already. Okay. Right. Otherwise, it'd be very complicated, by the way. Mm-hmm. If that was true, that every time you made any, any transaction while you were alive, if you worried about the Arusha of your children, that'd be like a disaster. Right? right? It'd be crazy. Right? It'd be impossible to do anything. Yeah. Right? So that would, that's, I'm glad it doesn't work that way. So yeah. This concept of Kukab Mishmat come up a lot? Like, where they come specify halakha that... Don't change? Yeah. No. Right, okay. It's a very interesting concept. I know. <laughs> the Sefer Achinoch says something very interesting. Um... So look at this. Source number seven. See, Rachinoch writes about Tachshov sheimri bazeh shay mitzvah he shenasa beinian anachla kashadana taralea. Let's let's be a second. Right to say sheeretz alomar to say sheyia adam mitzuvah miakel. You might say that person. You might understand Yerusha as this: that God has commanded us to give our inheritance to certain children in certain ways. Because Hashem does not want to take people's money out of their hands. Because He doesn't want to let you do whatever you want with it. As long as He's alive. That's not, that's not what this means. This does not mean that God is restricting us from, from where we'd like to take the money. That's not what it means. Aval, What's this, what does this halacha teach us? That the ability for an inheritor, for the heir, to inherit the money is because they're connected to the person who's giving it to them. It's not a gift. There's a, there's a natural connection between the two people. Right? When the morish, the person who's passing away and giving over the money, it passes away. It's not like, oh, now the gift will take place. No. This moment of death, the money automatically transfers. Automatically. Like a way that, that creation works. So Chazal called this mishmush, this, this very strong connection. That the nachala is like, it, it like naturally uh, flows. So if the bodies are connected, I mean, it's, it's true in a certain sense, right? That a child and a parent are physically connected, right? The, the child is a physical manifestation of the parent. Right, literally has the DNA of the parent. The parent's body created that child. So the it 
it's not a shakol hayotzi mina echa no falashin Whatever comes out of one goes to the other. It sounds like, and he's not saying it like this exactly. This is the way I wanted to say it, and I haven't heard anybody else say it this way, but that doesn't mean they don't. They don't. Is that what's the distinction between a scenario where the, um, you know, I'm supposed to pay a worker daily, and instead I pay them bi-monthly? Right, what's it in, in, in this case? In that case, the worker agreeing, the worker agree on a deal. This is how this is going to work, right? He doesn't already have the money. I'm supposed to pay you. I'll pay it this way. Right now, if you with, with the Yerusha, it happens automatically. It also happens, by the way. It, it's almost as if it's not really. It's almost as if it's already in the hands of the child. Right? This is how Malhi how it's going to work. They're inherently connected that way. So, by making a change, you're in a sense stripping the child of that of that inheritance, which sort of already belongs to them. It's not, I want to say it's like, like a geneva, right? but it's almost like it's, it's this natural connection that they have that this, this money belongs to them in a certain sense. So to make a change, it's like it's too late already. Right? It's, already wow. it's already there. It, it goes naturally. What, what do you mean you're going to say you want it to go to somebody else? It's not your money to give away like that. It naturally flows in that direction. Okay? So... you're saying that because we were saying, like David was saying, I mean, Yevos even had these situations where, I mean, yes, biologically it was a connection, but, but relationship-wise, it was There was not. So yeah, in Echanami. That's a whole different question. It's a very interesting question. But yeah, correct. But I think, but it, but I think what's interesting about it is it, makes me, uh, it helps me understand why this case is unique. Right? If you see it as almost like this, like this physiological or it's mystical or whatever it is, but it's like this, this natural connection between father and son. Right? So you can ask me, Akasha... Father and daughter also. So, okay, that, that's a question I can't answer you. But, <laughs> but at least in terms of the father and son relationship, right, there is this, and, and by the way, not just father and son, it, it, in, it does go father and daughter also, for whatever reason, son comes right, first. Exactly, yeah. but, but the, and we can give all kinds of sociological answers, whatever you want to give, but the, but the, I don't mean sociological, like what was happening to him to the Torah. I mean like the sociology of, Jewish community and families, right. etc. What the Torah is maybe setting up and telling us, right? Is we don't like to, we don't like to do that. We like to we like to take our sociology and make the Torah fit, right? Rather than yeah. sometimes asking ourselves, what's the sociology that the Torah is setting up? It's the got double the bond with the Bukhara than the other sons. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting, right? What does this mean? And how does that work? And fine, but it certainly fits what we see in the the very patriarchal society of the Avos, yes. right? Very much goes that way. Um, but okay, I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just just defining here. Yeah. On a practical level, I have one five-year-old child, right. and I die, and my money goes to them. Right. How are they supposed to make decisions or take care of my wife with that money or right. that type so, of thing? So, so I'll keep going. So let's <laughs> keep going. Let's keep going. Okay. So the question is, how do we get around this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there a to get around it? Right? Because this is not something that, this is cool, this is interesting, but this is not something that people feel very comfortable with. And don't worry, already many for many, many hundreds of years. People have not felt comfortable with us. So, uh, which is an interesting hashkafic question of like, who are we? This is what the Torah yeah. wants. Right, a problem. Why do we? But, but clearly Chazal got that and saw that, and you're going to see there, there are ways to deal with it. So one option is Dinah Machus We talked about Dinah Machus before, right? Um, but there are many monetary areas where law of the land is the halacha, right? So you got to pay taxes, you got all these things. We, we basically stated, we gave a number of reasons 
how Din Machus Din works. But one of them, and a very reasonable one, is that whenever the, the Machus, whenever the government is normal and not going after money to fill their coffers or taking their money in order to, in order to uh, help the, the, the government run, to public safety, those types of things, you're expected to uh, allow, uh, we follow what they say. Right? And even, if, even if it's in a certain sense against the halacha. We're not the way halacha would necessarily have lined it up. So, or, or, or the halacha wouldn't be required, it, I'd say. So, Rashba was uh, given the following scenario uh, Reuven marries his daughter, Leah, to Shimon. So, Reuven has a daughter, Leah, she marries a guy, Shimon. Okay, they have a daughter. Then, Leah, the daughter, dies, and then the granddaughter dies. Okay? When Reuven married off Leah to Shimon, he gave her a dowry. Once she dies, and the granddaughter dies, that money is now hanging out with his ex-son-in-law, who has no connection to him, and he comes and says, I want the money back. And he says, can I go to, ba- can I go to secular court and get the money back? I don't know why that would work, even in secular court, because the money's already been given oh, over, yeah. but okay. Um, but the bottom line is, he went to the, the Rashford was asked this question, the Rashford says, I don't care what the a secular court would say. He said, the fact that we don't, we don't say when it comes to Yerusha, uh, these types of questions, he says, we don't, we don't, because the bottom line is that what ends up happening is the daughter, her money goes to the, to the, to the, to the, to the, to the husband. That's the, that's the basic right. point, what happens there. So when it comes to Yerusha, the Rashba says, we don't follow Dina Machusadina, because if we did that, he says, then all, basically all the halachas of Yerusha would go out the window. We just run any of you know, all of the 10 parabas are like, is not necessary. Um, and he says also, more than that, he says if we, if we would do that, then we, uh, well, we'll see more in a second. But he says you can't do that. And the Shulchan Aruch in Lavein, Sorosan that we don't follow the Dinah of So to say, well, whatever American law is about inheritance, I don't know the American, I don't know what the American law is about inheritance, how it works, if there's no will, how it gets, does anybody know? Probate court. And what does that, and what, what happens? It goes to a judge, and then it gets dispensed according to state law. To who Which has, is what? To a certain lineage. It's, I think it's like your your immediate spouse, followed by your kids, followed by your grandkids or something. <coughs> the certain percentages they determined are like the normal percentages? Yeah, I, think so. I, I think that's determined by a judge based on what property they're dealing with. Ah, uh, okay, it fine. Could, it stretches Good. the whole... So we would not say that probate court would override... Would override... Uh, probate court... I so that's an issue if you... If you're in America and you don't make a will at all, at all, because then you're theoretically not allowing your estate to be dispensed according to Allah. Correct. You also need to make a will to say right. do it according to Allah. Right. Even though right. Correct. Are, so you do yeah. nothing. Right. You're also in but trouble because right. then it's going to go to probate court. Yeah. Correct. Right. And you have to pay court uh, costs and someone and yeah, someone to oversee this yeah. estate. Right. Right. Correct. Yeah. So if Moshe actually in source number nine has an interesting chupa, where he says that he thinks a regular will could work. Everyone disagrees with him, but he <laughs> says it's just important to know. It's like a, it's, it's, it's a question if you, what people discuss whether he was really saying that this is like a sniflahakel, like it's a reason to be low, like a palamit tzchus on people who who do this because lots of people don't know about lachik wills and they do just use regular will and they just follow through in the regular will and you know that's what happens. So Moshe says. He says, "Mitzdaberlan yestadi shetzava kazu shavada yiskayim kedivrei mitzvah kedivrei hamitzava bedinin machusa ein sarach kinyan shein lachakinyan galamozav." You don't need to have the people agree because I've I've wrote it out and I said exactly what I wanted. I went to a lawyer, you know, so I made it very very uh, clear what I want. And he argues that that would work according to American law 
it should be uh, it could be valid. It could be valid. The Chassam Sofer who lived before of Moshe uh, also has a case of some made a will, you know, according to the non-Jewish government, and he says Din Machus Din has nothing to do with this, um, and he says even B'diav it doesn't work. Um, and Rabbi Eger also says that he does not believe that Din Machus Din works in these cases, and based on that Rashba which we saw before. And the Rambam who says it's Chukas Mishpat, he can't just change. And he says, what about usual Dina Chus Dina? That you can just, uh, you know, uh, we, one, of the, one of the Sfaras of Dina Chus Dina is that you're, if you live in a certain place, you have decided that you're going to follow their rules. So he says, that's great when the rules are there to govern the community. Because this, these, these rules, Dina Chus Dina, by Yerusha, they don't need them for the... I mean, again, in certain sense you do so that people aren't fighting and killing each other. But it's not really necessary for, like, the roads to work and police force, etc. So he says in that case, it doesn't work within the Svara. And therefore he says it's not true. So, so Rav Moshe is one option. Just write a will, and it works. But that's not really... They're talking B'dyeved and B'dyeved to rely on that Rav Moshe. That's not really what people uh, go with. So there's another concept. There's a concept known as Mitzvah L'Kayim Divrei Okay? Do you f- have to follow what that which the the deceased said? I had a scenario once that I was asked about um, with a with a, a case with a family member who had made certain statements to one family member. Uh, the the person who was going to pass away made statements to one certain family member, and then they made a con- the other person argued that the person made a contradictory statement to them, um, and. You know, the family basically went to the individual who was listed on the will and said, look, we all know that whoever it was said something different. Um, Uncle George really said that you shouldn't get everything, you should split it with everybody, whatever it was. Um, and then this person was put under, under a lot of pressure. Um, and what about Mr. Lakhine Dave Ramace? So I, I had to go to, to Rav Willick and ask him this question. So... Uh, so he's were, quoted were me. To this or what? He's taking that guy's word for it that person told him this or that, that was also part of it. A, did he really say it? He didn't say it. Were there other people there? But the the bottom line is that the idea of mitzvah kaim divrei meis. So there's a rabbinic Tom who says that we only say mitzvah kaim divrei meis that you have to follow that which again it's not the meis. It's the person who is about to die, right? We only say that if the money was already in the hands of a third party. Money's already in the third of a third party. So you see already they're like getting prepared for this, you know, whatever the svar is exactly. That's the only scenario in which we say Mitzvah Kamdi Remes, which some argue is sometimes true. If there's money in, this, in an estate or a trust, some argue that could, you, that could be helpful. But first of all... Aren't you saying that it's never an estate or trust? You're saying it's like a physiological thing, so like... No, but it is actually in an estate or in a trust, so it, it physically is in, in, uh-huh. in, in the hands of a third party. Okay. So there are scenarios in which um, some posts can think that that works. The bottom line is the Ramban also says um, that no, Mitzvah Kandi Rei Mace can be a scenario where we can actually, uh, even if it's not in a third party, that there are certain scenarios in which we do listen to the person if they, give a, if they make a request that we, do, that we do listen to them. It's complicated. Why does that not violate the other Mishnah by which we saw that talked about not being allowed to change <coughs> that which the, the, you know, the normal Yerusha word? It's a good question. Um, but, and the bottom line is you generally pass on your Tom. You generally pass on your Tom. Um, but um, so the Mitzvah of Remes is not a very helpful not a very helpful argument either um, the Marsham talks about what about Kivar Avim Kivar Avim is only when they're alive the parent says to you I want you to do the following 
Why don't we just say it's, it's, it's a requirement? Mitzvah keep it up So I have to go ahead and do what they ask for. So, uh, so we don't, that, that's probably not accepted either, because right? clearly there's, these other halachos are asking right. the other direction. We're well, not supposed to listen to many, but if they tell you something to do against the halacha. Right. If you're to do something against the halacha, you're not supposed to do it. Very good. Okay. Exactly. Very good. Right. I don't know if that's exactly the svara, but yeah, but it's an important question. So the Emesa Yaakov of Yaakov Kamenetsky writes that Bismanazeh, he thinks it's appropriate to give a portion to your daughters. Um, and uh, some say you should do that equally, etc. So, uh, but a secular world is not going to do that. And Mitzvah Kandi Rameis is not going to work, he said. It's not, it's not it's a third party, like we said. And, keep it, and the, oh, the other argument is Kibbutz Avayim only works with that which belongs to the parent. So, for example, even though a person is required to uh, get them to eat and to drink, etc., all these things, you're not required to necessarily, absolutely required to expend your own finances for Kibbutz Avayim always. I mean, for you to you know, provide for the parent, so it should come out of their account, right, mainly. Um, at some point, the parent becomes destitute, so there's a mitzvah of tzedakah, your first tzedakah goes to your parents, fine, but it's not keep it out of aim. Keep it out of aim is to use their finances to help them. Um, so, so, again, once they are no longer, if they can't finance themselves, so you are, should, <laughs> it is our responsibility, because tzedakah comes, your family comes first, and tzedakah, your parents are the first person you can go to. But not technically keep it out of aim that way. So he says, it's like a hitter in keep it out of aim to do what the parents want. But it's not absolutely required. So, um, what do we do? So what we do is... Dun, 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 dun. Drum roll, please. What we do is what's called a shtar chazi zachar. Or a shtar zachar shalim. What does that mean? It's based on a Ramah in source number 13. But I'll tell you what it is first. Um, and it's, you see it actually in front of you. It's in, you can find this. Uh, the RCA has this. The Bates of America has this. Uh, lots of places you can find this very easily. Dakota Sistral has one. Where basically you do the following. You take the, you assume a certain amount that uh, your estate will never be worth. I think when my lawyer did it, he made it $10 million. Come on. But I think for now, he made it $10 million. So the $10 million says that my, that, that um, the, the person, the, the individual says, I, I'll just read it, look at the English. I understand hereby I obligate myself to your daughter, okay? So you cho- choose the daughter. Why? Because it's important. You choose the daughter. The sum of X, let's say $10 million, effective immediately. It's, it, whatever the number is, it should be way above any amount you'd ever expect to, but you can't, be, you can't go crazy, right? Because if it's too high, it can look like it's a lot. It's, it's fake. A billion dollars is not gonna work. So you make some number that's realistic, but a little higher than what you would expect, okay? Effective immediately, but not payable until one minute before my death, okay? So immediately, you have already obligated yourself $10 million to your daughter, okay? But you, but you don't have to pay her until just before you die, because otherwise she could come yeah. claim you, right? On the condition that I did not retract this obligation any, t- any time prior to my death. All the property which is mine at that time, both real and personal, should serve as security for the payment of said obligation. I hereby supplicate that my heirs, as defined by the Torah, shall be given the option of paying the above obligation, or in lieu thereof, carrying out the terms as specified in my last will and testament. There's a halacha. If a person has debtors, right, the creditor, creditors can come and they go first, right? right? So if a, if a person owes, has a $3 million, uh, you know, uh, estate, but there's a million dollars of, of debt there, the creditors take the million dollars first. Only then does the, do the children get to, or whoever the Yorish are, get to split it up. 
So in this scenario, you created a scenario where the daughter is the, is the creditor, right? And they now, as the children, have a responsibility to pay her that money. They're not going to, obviously, it's too much. They can make a choice. Pay her the $10 million. If you don't want to do that, and, and that means this happens after the person dies. Because after the person dies, now there's a, there's a debt on the estate which is larger than the value of the estate itself. So then you have a choice. You can either pay the creditor or take the money that is your money, sons, right? Before everyone else, whatever, and split it up equally and she will be willing to, or, or my, the way I set it up is that uh, then you don't have to pay the $10 million, okay? That's what a star chatzi zachar is. It's called chatzi zachar because it used to be they would do it, you give the daughter half of, you, you give her half of the boys, what the boys get. But now we do your star zachar shalom, really. Right? She didn't get the same with everybody else. Why they gave half, because I think part of the reason they, didn't, they did half originally was because they didn't want it to look like they were totally sticking it to the halacha. I think but that's the is still getting twice. Nope. Oh, the is not. So, so where does this piece of paper go? This piece of paper is signed, and you have your, your will, which is however many zillion pages it is. And you place this piece of paper on top of the rest of your entire will. Your will is a regular American will drafted by a regular lawyer, hopefully a good one, um, who does their regular lawyer stuff to create your will. All you do is take this, and a, and a, a good lawyer and a firm lawyer, a TNF lawyer usually knows this already. When I went to make my, my yeah, will, the, he knew already. He put this in here. I went to check today. Just make sure I'm like, I did it right, right? And I went to check and have exactly this thing. Um, and if that's what they did, that's exactly what, that's, that's all you need. So you have your will is, is entirely secular. The only thing you need to do is sign a document like this that's just set in accordingly uh, and, and that, executed, executed appropriately. This document, that's it. And then you can, uh, and then your entire will becomes a halachic will. So okay. I, I don't I don't remember all the details, um, but we were going through all this a few you know a month yeah. ago, and um, so we my parents my father's halachic will was basically like this, but it also uh, included where they set aside a thousand dollars, and said this this thousand is going to be divided by halakha. good very good so that the right. last thing I'm going to get to yes okay. so there's some who say so, like my brother's getting four hundred right. And my sisters and I are splitting the other six hundred. Exactly. So, 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 um, the there are those who say that's a good idea to do that. Why? Because you get the mitzvah of Yerusha. That the mitzvah of doing it according to halacha, you do it the right way. You follow what the halacha says. So some people give over a thousand dollars to do it that way. Shechter has been quoted to say, Shechter, do that as long as it's not going to cause a fight. Because if that even little bit is going to cause a fight, so then just then it's not that important. You can leave it out. Right. But yes, some people do exactly that for that reason. Can you possibly define the Kinyan Sudar and a base to the Yeah, yeah. So they say, uh, it, it, all it really means is that a person should make a Kenyan. make a Kinyan. It's all it really means. But make in, a in a, a base or just any? They don't have to do it in the base okay. They don't have to do it in the base um, I don't. I don't believe so. I don't think you have to do it that way. In order to make it work, but um, I think when they write that language, that's a way of saying that this is serious and it's, and it's following the halacha. Um, there was one individual who did this once and like asked me to hold on to their star <laughs> if you want me to like a copy lawyer, of it my lawyer actually told me not to keep this directly with the will because he said that there's been cases where in secular court if it come, if it, there's any issue at first they might think you're mentally unbalanced by having 
So, yeah, and he said, like, only if it becomes, like, a real fight based on halacha, then, you know, you give pull it out. and they pull it out. Interesting. Otherwise, interesting. Like, interesting. 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 Go interesting. So this is, what, this, is, this is what you do. And that's why like, everyone's like, halacha, well, it's like, oh, God, it's must be so expensive. What am I going to do? The answer is, like, no, it's one piece of paper. Yeah, right. That's all it is. It's just a piece of paper. Um, it's not just a piece of paper. What I'm saying, it's, it's a very, very simple thing to execute, and most firm lawyers around here know how to execute it. So there's really no reason not to do this. Um, and, it, and, it, <coughs> and I will say this, more than there not being a reason not to do it, um, obviously writing the will is extremely important because it avoids, and being very specific, and, uh, and, I, and again, I, I'm, I'm not, maybe I'm, I don't have enough life experience yet to make a statement like this, but I think, at this stage, um, from the things that I've seen, um, making statements out loud about this person looking at this, and this person looking at this, and I, think it, I think it usually leads to more fighting than less. Uh, talking about it, who's getting what in the will, it, it, I just think it's not a smart idea, and it and it and I can I can actually see why someone would want to talk about it, um, but I think it usually ends up causing a lot of like nefesh and a lot of fighting, and I've seen it, um, and uh, it's unfortunate when that happens. And so by by executing a proper, and, and by the way, if you have if you don't do a halachic will and you end up having children who are different levels of observance, so what can happen? So you're, I don't want to make a judgment to who it would be, right? but let's say you're a more observant child who is maybe more observant, but more of a, <laughs> yeah, could take their kids to Besden, take yeah. the siblings to Besden, and tell the daughter, the, your, your daughter, that she really actually all that money belongs to him, and he would actually be right. right. And like, and that's what you need, right? And right. so you, th- that's the last thing you need to happen. Yeah. So by doing this, you actually, it's so funny, it's so from, that it ensures your secular will is carried out perfectly <laughs> and without any issues. That's what it does, right? It's not being so super stark. You're not writing a yeshiva will. You're writing a real will, and then and you, by placing that piece of paper on top of it, you have to ensure that your secular will will be fulfilled perfectly and that no one can have any tightness and no one, can, no one can contest it. You don't have to have any of these questions come up. So it's a very, very smart idea. It's very, very easy. Um, and even if someone's written a will already, it's very easy to add to it. Um, I don't know what's, what a lawyer will charge for that one piece of paper. I assume not much. It uh, doesn't take him an hour. You know, so. Just a technical question. I'm assuming this should be done with like Hebrew names and Hebrew dates and all that type of stuff. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if it has to be done with Hebrew names per okay. se. Um, no, if it's done with the names, the legal names of the children, yeah. okay. uh, it's probably smarter actually because yeah. otherwise it's not going to match. So you, you probably want to do it with the same names. Okay. That, I would ask a lawyer that question, but I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not offering legal advice. I couldn't even pretend. I don't even play one on TV. Uh, <laughs> but I, wouldn't, I, would, I think you do it with the, with the regular legal names because otherwise it doesn't match up with the will. And then they're, they're very mockful about every letter right. you know, on these things. Um, so uh, any potential miscommunication to say, well, it doesn't mean that. Mean exactly, it's it somebody else. It's not the same person. And that's yeah. the last thing you need. So I, th- I think I would ask the lawyer that question. But She's I think saying so. a lot of documents should be using your English names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be. Why not? There are lots of things that are used to your English names. I mean, an English name is how you're identified in, in in the world. So it doesn't make it not not halachic. If you were, by the way, unfortunately, when someone writes a get, when you write a get, we include the English name of the, you know, the person's name is, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a name of the person, we don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 I don't know. Bruce, you know any Bruce's? I don't know Bruce. <laughs> Baruch and Bruce. So the guy's name is Bruce. 
He's called Bruce, but his Hebrew name is Baruch. So they say in the get, Baruch the Mitkiri Bruce. Right? So we, 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 the name that you are called by they in English, in yeah, okay. yeah, the, way, the name that you're called, I and mean, you use all of them. If the guy has like three or four different nicknames, you include them all. Yeah. So, because they're very, very careful, much more than an exuba, very careful to get to make the name right. So the, the, um, your English name, that's a raya, that your English name has halachic status. That's the name you're called by. So I think, I think here I wouldn't be, okay. I'm pretty sure that people okay. use English names. We're looking at Ketubah and it was all Hebrew. Yes, Ketubah okay. is different. Yeah, you have to be very careful with your, your Hebrew names. Yes, absolutely. My name's misspelled on the Ketubah. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about it later. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah.